0: Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. You know, after four years of hosting this podcast, it's been a privilege and a joy to talk to so many global leaders on all things leadership, around exceptional leadership, around elevating teams to greater performance. And there's one particular area of performance that is so critical right now in terms of competitive advantage. And that's in the area of digital marketing. And so how do you really optimize investment? How do you optimize measurement? How do you really optimize the impact of digital marketing? And the massive market out there just in B2B e-commerce seen estimates as high as $12 trillion. And that is just mind-blowing. So the opportunity is there, but again, it comes down to making the right decisions and applying the right leadership in order to achieve results. And we have Matt Ranta joining today. Matt has an extensive, successful background in digital marketing. He's currently the partner head of practice for digital and e-commerce for Nimble Gravity. He has led his own digital marketing consultancy, so he knows the ingredients for success. And we're going to jump in and talk about digital marketing performance and leadership. Matt, welcome to Market Impact Insights.
1: Hey, Dan, thanks a lot for having me. I'm really excited to talk about everything we've got lined up today. should be fantastic.
0: Yeah, so Matt, I want to really start with your own personal journey. So you've had this um, track record of really uh, helping so many businesses go to another level in terms of their digital marketing. What really drove your own commitment to really focus on this performance improvement in digital marketing? What led you there?
1: Yeah, you know it's it's a long story, so I'll try and make it as short as possible. But I'm going to actually go all the way back to being a competitive swimmer in in high school, and my desire to constantly improve kind of started at, at that point in time, right? Because you're on your own there, even though you're part of a team, you're always trying to better your own personal times and your own personal you know, records in the pool. And that led me to having that mindset of kind of always trying to do better. And fast forward into a point in time where I had an opportunity to start working in e-commerce in, you know, uh, 1998, uh, was lucky to be a part of an organization that was going online and had a, you know, website started and needed some help, jumped in there and started looking at all of the marketing elements and what was going on. And the fact that you could literally see All the data around it, very different from traditional marketing, right? You could see who clicked on what ad, where they came from, what they did on your website. Did they convert or not convert? And you could start to tweak those things and you could start to test and you could start to figure out how to constantly improve and fast forward into the world that we're in today And you continue to have so much data at your fingertips that is available to tell you what's going on, and so many tools that are advanced, you know, that are giving you qualitative analytics, these kinds of things that that you might see in digital experience tools, that it's incredibly easy. At, the, at one moment and also incredibly challenging at another because of the diversity and the breadth of the information that you have about what you have to go after, what you need to change and, and how you can continue to always drive things forward. So it's been a, a really fun journey over the years to get to continue to do that. But I just always have loved that ability to finally tweak things and watch it make improvements and then continue to do that and continue to win over time.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting and when you mentioned 1998 and online it kind of took me back and just is, is the mat of 1998 if, if you would have had your crystal ball and said 25 years from now <laughs> what's the world going to look like i'm wondering have you thought about that like the reality of today versus what you might have
1: thought it was going to be yeah that's an interesting question you know uh I I knew that e-commerce was going to be massive and I, I kinda, you know, was willing to do anything to get in with the organization. Like I, I literally was writing content in relational databases that powered the dynamic pages of the website, right? Like that's the very first thing I ever did in e-commerce. And it was because I wanted to help. I knew it was gonna be something big and important and wanted to get my foot in the door. And then it's constantly been a thing since that point in time of like stay in. Like, you know, no matter if you're doing something else, you know, continue to consult and and stay in e-commerce because it's ever changing and and so exciting. I don't know that I would have predicted that it would get to the point that it's at now, but I knew it was going to be a a huge disruption in the way that people, you know, shopped, gained information, whatever you want to look at it as, um, but gosh, the the landscape has changed so much to the point right now, you know, like we're we're working with generative AI and, and these kinds of things. I don't know that, you know, I saw that coming. I, I can't say I predicted that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Very few, if anyone, would have would have seen that. And one of the things I talk about in my book, The Impact Makers, is just this huge volume of data that's at our disposal. And certainly there's a lot of analytics that go into. Effective digital marketing, uh, data's all around us. But the reality, we know this, that organizations still struggle to try to make that data meaningful. Uh, What have you seen as the key obstacles that companies face when they're trying to leverage all this data that they can gather, but really apply it into some sort of impactful way?
1: Yeah, there's quite a few different challenges that exist there. I would say one is just, it's overwhelming. Right, and a lot of people don't even know where to start, so to speak. You know, I, we have so much data, and how do we connect it all? How do we, you know, make everything make sense to us? And so there are steps that you need to take there, but it might require you dedicating people or dedicating a team, right? it can't really be somebody's part-time job or you know there I'm going to work on this from 4 to 5 p.m. At, you know on Thursdays and and see how it goes you really are going to have to dedicate a team of folks to analytics to data science to you know creating a data lake for your organization whatever it might be that you need to do and then you're going to have to train the people that you bring in as data scientists, right? You aren't necessarily going to be able to go out and find people who are both a data scientist and have decades of domain experience within your particular industry and can make valuable insights immediately right those are those are out there but they're not as common as somebody who has just a couple years of experience and is going to need to get up to speed with your business and understand you know when they're looking at the data what's going on how are we able to drive insights into it and how am I able to add value to the business but don't wait to do that right dedicate some people to it i know as a Operator of an e-commerce business, I constantly had multiple monitors up. One, you know, one's my work activity monitor, and the other is like literally my analytics, my my data, what's coming in, what's going on, and looking at that constantly and driving and tweaking things with the team that if I'm seeing challenges in there, that's going on and, and making that a practice as well. So you really you know that, in my mind, is one of the biggest challenges, and oftentimes people need help getting that set up and and running for the first time, right? And so either either hire in experts that have done that for you uh, or done that before, or go out and find experts that you can work with, uh, you know, in the interim, uh, and have them help you build your team.
0: Yeah, you brought up something really interesting a few moments ago, and you were talking about data science. And isn't it true that marketing has really been on its own journey from what historically, if we go way back, there was always a highly subjective aspect to it, right? When we think about traditional mass marketing or advertising. And so it was much more opinion-based, based Mm -hmm. based on the skilled professionals um, that were marketers. But it's really evolved into a much more objective and science-driven Practice, hasn't it?
1: Oh, totally, it has. Yeah. And, you know, I was working with people that we called business analysts in, you know, the early 2000s, right? But they're really doing uh, data science, right? We were doing regression analysis and trying to understand uh, what correlated with, you know, sales of, of particular products in our organization and how we could use that to then predict, you know, the future sales and what that would mean for our opportunity right our selling opportunity out there and that has been occurring i think since e-commerce started right there's way there's way more data right there at your fingertips and while you might not think of yourself as a data scientist if you're diving in and looking at data and making changes and building models of you know of prediction and, and these kinds of things You're a data scientist, like to a degree, right? Like maybe, maybe you're not the guy that is, you know, creating massive, you know, models and and working with AI and machine learning and and these kinds of things, but you're doing some, some scientific work. You're experimenting just like any scientist does. And you're figuring out what works and you're recording the positives and the negatives and you're moving things forward. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what I like what you were just saying there. It's it's this continuous learning loop, and, and the idea of hey we're not gonna we're not gonna have a, a smashing success or blowout success maybe with every every tactic or every campaign, but we learn and then the key is applying that learning as quickly as possible.
1: Exactly, a hundred percent. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Now, well, I w- let's step back and look at kind of a broader picture. You know, we talk about marketing or digital marketing. And, you know, typically there are uh, company objectives. And so you're trying to support that through your, your digital marketing strategies in terms of growth, in terms of revenue, what have you, how do you define the term success when it comes to digital marketing? And when you look at this very changing landscape out there, are there some companies that kind of jump out to you that seem to be getting it and, and doing a really good job?
1: Yeah, that's a super interesting question. So, success to me can come in a lot of different ways, right? You have all the traditional things like what's your return on ad spend ratio? uh, You know, how much revenue are marketing programs driving into the organization? You know, what are you looking at from an attribution standpoint? And are things positive there, right? Is a particular channel uh, having a return on ad spend and gross margin contribution that's meaningful and you know and positive, right? But I think success can even be defined in things like what we were just talking about, right? failing and learning from it and making a change is a success in in my mind right like because y- you've realized don't go down that path go down this other path and it's going to lead to better profitability more sales a steady conversion rate whatever it might be and those are wins and successes as well and you know if i start looking at companies that are doing Things really well. One that stands out to me is Allbirds. From you know, if we're going to name a a, a company and what they're doing and and how they've been going to market and what they're doing with social commerce and how they're driving people into their store. And then, you know, I don't know if you've browsed Allbirds or anything, but at one point in time, and Fairly recent past, I was doing that. And then I started getting OTT ads delivered to my set top boxes inside my house, to my Apple TVs, to these kinds of things. And they're really tying the entire ecosystem of how they can reach out to a, a digital consumer together really well. So I, I would call those people very successful. But then, you know, I had this conversation the other day. I think some of the people that are really winning in e-commerce are actually, you know, the people that are uh, creating kind of these, you know, instantaneous checkout experiences. And th- you're combining a couple platforms when you're doing that. If you're looking at people that are transacting through Instagram and using something like an Apple Pay or a Google Pay or whatever it might be, and they have an instant checkout ability, that is a very frictionless process, right? And what they've done is they've sent targeted advertising to people that they are aware are in a particular market, right? That are shopping for whatever it might be, basketballs, clothing, whatnot. And then that ad is compelling enough to get somebody to click through. And they've taken all of the shopping uh, friction out of the way, right? There's your product. Check out right now with Apple Pay oh, great, done. Or check out through Instagram who saved all of your information and it's almost instantaneous. There's no hassle and you've made a a beautiful transaction for everybody, right? So I think companies that are doing that are also doing very well and winning. Yeah, you're really spot on there because think about just getting
0: to that, that moment of truth in the transaction, right? Where it's payment, it's the payment event. And I'm just wondering, Matt, like because I know for myself, the frustration sometimes like things lock up or I don't have, maybe I don't have my payment information memorized, a card, they're handy. I wonder what the abandonment rate, right? That has to be so frustrating to see, yo, man, we're getting a lot of abandons because we're not making this as seamless as possible. And so we're just, that's leakage, right? Of, of revenue opportunity. Totally.
1: totally yeah. And people that aren't promoting that they have that. Within their site, right? They're not. They're waiting until they get into the cart to show those icons or or talk about. Uh, we have Klarna or or you know Afterpay or anything like that. I think they're missing out too. Like you've got to bring that out and make that readily apparent to people. Or like I've started kind of taking this framework of, what are you doing? What's your intent? Is your intent with whatever presentation you're giving me to make me buy? Or is it to make me click onto something else to make me scroll to make me do whatever, right? And I think it's time for people to get kind of ruthless to in a way to like, make me buy, give me everything I need to like, make me check out and make it easy right now versus do I have to scroll to find something? Do I have to click into another page? Do I have to go back? Like, that's, that's the challenge, right?
0: Yeah. And this is universal too. We're not just, you you had some B2C examples, but this is applicable for the B2B marketers. It could be software solution, what have you, right? The same opportunity is there to create an experience
1: that is better uh, for the customer. 100%. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I've worked in both B2B and B2C and while there are some differences, the reality is is that the average consumer has paradigm expectations of how am I going to search for something and find it? How am I going to check out, right? Like you can't step away from the paradigms that are set out there and expect to find success. You've got to align with those, whether you're B2B, B2C, D2C, whatever it is.
0: Yeah. And we're talking about that purchase or, or a transaction in a process, but let's even go back uh, before uh, and talk about creating the behavior that gets the customer to that purchase point and let's talk about content because to create that kind of engagement and that behavior it it does come back to content doesn't it what what role do you see that playing
1: in all of us oh wow uh content is is huge and i think it's changing dramatically right now uh if not always cuz change is a constant in e-commerce if you ask me uh but it, content's massive, right? So, first of all, Google's made a lot of updates to how they treat content, right? And and uh, looking at it and making sure that it's genuinely helpful to to humans and that it's it's really being measured in in engagement and did, did it lead to conversions and these kinds of things. So. I don't think that this world is any longer about what a lot of folks were doing. Uh, Don't know if it ever was, quite honestly, where they were just mass producing content, right? trying to capture keywords and, and these kinds of things. And I've literally seen sites, Dan, where people have their content buried 40 clicks deep, 50 clicks deep where uh, they have 15, 20, you know, or more articles that are really kind of about the same thing. And that's not going to help you expand and update an existing article. That's doing well, right. Having an article that is buried even 10 clicks deep on your website and is getting no traffic. Like you might as well have just hit delete instead of uploading that to your website. And then, If you go beyond like written content as well, you've got to look, I don't care if you're B2B or B2C, you've got to look at some of what's going on in social media because there's a massive change in the way that people are actually searching for things. And there's going to continue to be this massive change, right? So voice search is becoming more and more prevalent, right? People are talking to their devices in their home and they're using different methods to do that than they do when they type out a search online, right? It's much more conversational and you're asking, you know, Hey device, uh, what's the, the best X, Y, Z, uh, within five miles of me, right? You're not typing this stunted, you know, I'm leaving out all the adverbs and I'm leaving out, you know, pronouns or, or whatever and typing, you know, find pizza uh, into into a, a search engine. It's very different. So that's coming. And then the other thing that's huge right now is younger generations aren't really using Google as much as a lot of us who have been in the you know industry a, a lot longer uh, are used to, right? Instead, they're going other places. And these other places are constantly things that I hear People say, "Oh, well, my customers aren't there." They are. They really, truly are. They might not be there in, in the you know the masses that that you think they uh, they could be, but they're definitely there. And those are places like Reddit, places like TikTok, places where people are sharing opinions and their personal experiences with things versus a search algorithm picking out, you know, what's the best converting website for basketballs. And, you know, you're, you're getting an opinion of somebody and and you're able to collect multiples of those from whatever those platforms are, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube shorts, right? These kinds of things. And that's being used as search and as content. And I think if you're going to do content well, you have to start thinking about all of those things. Yeah, so
0: so true. The other thing I know I've talked to some of my marketing teams about this is uh there's a tendency to want to one think that more is better. And I don't think that's necessarily true when it comes to just pumping out more and more. It's not just a volume game. And the other thing is a tendency to almost in the spirit of just thinking, "Oh, we've got to keep uh keep rolling into something fresh and new and different," abandoning your existing content maybe prematurely and not really repurposing it fully. And so the shelf life becomes shorter than it could be. Or if you got creative in terms of different packaging and, you know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. Uh, more is not always better. Repurposing, updating, you know, resharing, right? These kinds of things. I, I literally saw somebody who I'm connected with on LinkedIn, reshare an article that they wrote four years ago this morning because it's still relevant. And they're not out there writing a new article, they're, they're resharing the one that they previously wrote. And I think the other thing is, is that people think, oh, I've got to always have something fresh and new. Well, guess what? I don't think 100% of your audience saw the, you know, the content that you shared yesterday at 4pm. It's probably okay for you to reshare that again you know, every so often for an extended period of time. And you're not going to exhaust that and, and its efficacy with people.
0: Yeah, that's a great example of, of that repurpose. And obviously, competitive landscape uh, is intense, probably as intense as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, just more more pursuit of, of the available dollars by just more solutions, products, you name it. And so it's heating up. And the value of having intelligence about what's going on with your competitors is of course huge. What's your advice in terms of how to approach becoming more intelligent about your competitors? Uh,
1: There are a ton of tools for this out there. And if you're not using at least one of them, uh, you are subject to falling behind and having your market share stolen period, Uh, like full stop. You've got to be out there using some kind of tool like a similar web and SEM rush and others in order to inform you about how your competitive set is doing their marketing, right? Like what's their mix. You can go find that out using those tools. You can figure out how much their advertising is coming through paid search, how much is coming through organic, what are they doing with social And you can figure out which channels they're succeeding on and which channels that they're not paying as much attention to. And guess what? That's an opportunity for you, right? Like go invest in that other channel that they're not on. You can find out what keywords they're bidding on and also which ones they aren't and where you have gaps and opportunities and where you need to step up your game. And that kind of intelligence is incredibly useful and gives you an advantage and an edge and you need every one of those that you can get in e-commerce in order to truly truly succeed.
0: Yeah, the, with all of the the range of tools that are available and and I think accessible and and relatively affordable, right? I mean, this is not we're not talking about having to pay massive uh, amounts to be able to have that greater intelligence. It just just makes sense to do that. And I know you touched on AI earlier, but are there some other technology trends you also see that is Truly reshaping the way marketing gets done?
1: Yeah. You know, I kind of pointed to it a little bit earlier. I I would say that tools like a full story that are giving you a, a really great picture of what's going on on your website and giving you you know, full kind of qualitative analytics to compare alongside your quantitative analytics that you would get from something like a, a Google Analytics, you know, how many clicks, AOV, these kinds of things, those are really starting to to change the potential of, of what's out there. And the most successful marketers are using those. I would also say customer data platforms, CDPs, are, are hugely impactful uh, in reshaping the way that marketing gets done or continuing to do that because they've been around for a little while. But you know, going back to, to generative AI, it, it's definitely heavily used out there um, in the tech world right? Like I think we get into like in in tech, in SaaS, in e-commerce, I think we get into kind of an echo chamber and and think that everybody knows what these things are, but I don't know that they really truly do at this point in time. Uh, But that being said, tools like that, tools that allow you to do product imagery perhaps that allow you to rewrite product content and product descriptions that allow you to start the first draft of something you know you can take a, a, a Jasper AI and ask it to write you an article about whatever product it is that, that you have for sale or whatever software it is that you have for sale and it's a good place to start right and I think that that allows people to be more efficient and give them back some of their time to allow them to pay attention to other parts of, of what's going on in marketing. But those are definitely some of the, the top hottest things I think they're going on right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you're giving advice all the time. I want to flip it around and ask you, what's the best piece of business advice you have ever received?
1: Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about this because I get get this question a a few times. Uh, You know, I think it really goes to a a story that I'll tell you about, and then the kind of core principle that's behind that story. So, when I was working at Aero Electronics, uh, I was transitioning from a role of being, you know, the the director of essentially all of the the digital marketing efforts. It was an in-house agency kind of thing where we helped run paid search, do SEO, do display, do all the analytics for multiple websites within the Aero Electronics ecosystem of, of digital properties. And I was moving into general management for veracal.com, one of those properties, and, and going to you know run that operation. And my chief digital officer at that time caught me a couple days into my new role, helping out my old team and, you know, kind of giving them some direction and, and, and some insight. And he pulled me aside and he said, I appreciate what you're doing, but if I catch you helping them again, I'm going to fire you. And he was kidding, Wow. right? But he was making a point and his his point was you've got to know when to let go of certain tasks when to fire yourself mm-hmm, from doing yeah. things and what's the most important most essential things that you can do and this happens in multiple ways right whether you're an individual contributor and you have so much on your plate that it feels overwhelming, you still have to pick what are the biggest impact things that I can do. And I'm going to have to set aside some of these other things and put them on the back burner because they're less important. They're less meaningful in driving revenue, whatever it is. And then, As you move up in an organization, you also have to do that process of, I can no longer do that. I can no longer do this. I have to hand the reins over to other people. Essentially, I have to fire myself from that role because it's no longer applicable to what I need to be doing. And so that has stuck with me for years and years and years now. And there was a part of me that that knew that before, but he really refined my my vision around that and my thoughts of how critical and important it is. Yeah, a really neat story. Thanks for sharing
0: that. And there's an aspect of that 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 ties into servant leadership, right? Because that knowing when to let go or being committed to letting go, because it's in the spirit of empowering others, totally, and and allowing them to learn how to crawl, walk, run. Right. And they're going to probably fall and it's like parenting, right. Knowing kind of when it's time to kind of let them go through that experience because they're going to only grow from that experience. Yeah. That's a, that's an
1: awesome way to frame that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you're thinking about the future all the time. What makes you optimistic?
1: Oh, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of latent fear around um, AI and the automation of things and, and these kinds of things about, it, you know, it's going to steal my job, it's going to do this, uh, people are going to use it to cheat, um, you know, whatever it might be. And I think the fact is, is that while some of those fears are, are probably true and people probably will do Deceptive and you know ungood things with with some of the technologies that are coming. I think that there's way more good that's going to come out of it, right? It's going to give humans time back to be more creative, more thoughtful. Uh, you don't maybe actually have to write; you can speak to an AI and you know, refine something, refine an output and, and make it happen. You're going to have an ability to be more creative than ever. You're going to get time to be with family and friends and and other activities because you're going to be able to work more efficiently. Right. So I, I think, and the, the productivity that will come out of it and the, the ability to go through, you know, an escalated industrial revolution yet again, right? Will will make things so much more incredible, right? Like you're just going to get this ability to give more to people, to to have more for yourself. Uh, it's it's fascinating to me, quite honestly. What's what's coming?
0: Yeah, I really like that. And you talk about giving more of that opportunity. That's a yeah, that that is at the heart, right? If you're really about the kind of the human to human um, and and creating more value, and and yeah, wow, that 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 is really a good way to put it. And we've covered a lot of ground, but do you have any other final advice for business leaders if they're really looking to take their marketing to another
1: level and really achieve breakthrough? Yeah, so I think what I would say is something that I've said quite a few times before, but it still is not something I see everybody doing. So I'm going to go with always be testing. You have to test everything you're doing. If you are not A-B testing your paid search copy, if you're not A-B testing versions of your content, if you're not A-B testing versions of your social shares, whatever those might be, whether they're LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, whatnot, and you're not testing your email sequences and these kinds of things, There are tools and ways to track all of that. There's technology like generative AI that can help you write faster and quicker and be more productive, right? Uh, You're going to still have to edit it and, and reshape things. But there's never been a time before where you can be more efficient with that kind of stuff and get more data about that that allows you to constantly be improving and iterating uh, even in just your marketing A B testing versus not just, you know, website A B testing or whatever it might be, that you have to be doing this. Y- you just 100% need to always be testing. And if you can't tell yourself that you've run hundreds of tests within a year, you're falling behind your competition. Yeah. So we can coin that A B T, always
0: be testing. That's the corollary to the sales classic A B C, always be closing. Right, So we got the two working together and and just make the commitment to do that. Well, Matt, thanks again for joining, sharing your journey uh, towards focusing on improved performance in digital marketing and just some real compelling stories and examples of how the tools and the technology, it's all there for inspired and exceptional leadership to take their marketing to another level. Thanks again.
1: Thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it.
0: And a reminder to please continue to go out and provide feedback to rate and review. The podcast, it's really easy to do. You can go out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, give us the gift of feedback. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.